Welcome to the Life Community Church Podcast. We are so excited and thankful you've decided to join us. We have a very special message for you today that we pray blesses you. How's it going? Well, uh, it goes without saying that we're so glad to have Tim and Lauren back. Uh, We're so thankful. Jim Herman filled in while they were gone, did a fantastic job. We love Jim. He does a great job always. He led worship here for many years, and uh, we're so thankful. He's one of our elders, and so he's always available when we need him. We're thankful for that. So we're talking about how do you know uh, about finding your purpose, and today we're going to talk about how do you know the will of God for your life. Uh, in the first week, if you remember, I know all of you, you know, you've got this all in your memory now. First week, we talked about you're God's masterpiece. You're rare. You're special. You're valuable to God. Uh, you're so valuable that God paid the highest price possible so that he could have you in his kingdom forever. So God loves you. The second week, we talked about the purpose of your purpose. And the purpose of your purpose is that you were created on purpose, with a purpose, that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. God created you to know him and enjoy him. So we talked about you have a purpose. And then last week we talked about the focus of your purpose. Uh, the focus the, the uh, <clears throat> of your purpose is to seek first the kingdom of God. Put God first in every area of your life. Put God first in your life for the rest of your life. And that, that had, that's a double entendre because it means you, you're only going to find true rest in Christ. But you want to do it for the rest of your life too. And so today we want to talk about how in God's purpose, how do we find God's will for us? How do we know what God's will is? And so we started this, uh, this series with this Bible verse. We've been using this as uh, kind of our, our springboard. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So God beforehand prepared good works, a a plan. We talked last week about a blueprint. He prepared a blueprint so that we could walk in them. Uh, So how do we know what the blueprint is? How do we understand the plan uh, that he has for us? So how can we fulfill the purpose if we don't know the plan? So how do we know God's will for us? So what are the, what are the things that help us know God's will? Well, we're going to talk today about we, we primarily, primarily know God's will through his word. We know God's will through his spirit. We know God's will through circumstances and experience. God works in those things. So first of all, I'll talk about that God primarily reveals his will through his word. We know the way to salvation through Jesus Christ. The reason, the reason, reason, I'm having trouble today. (laughs) Elmer Fudd has attacked me. (laughs) Don't be ridiculous. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, so Jesus said, 
John 3, 16, 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world or judge the world, but the world might be saved through him. So Jesus said that. John heard that. The disciple heard that. And he recorded it and wrote the book of, book of John. And then that was passed down through generations carefully uh, and preserved very well. And then eventually you heard it. Someone said to you the good news about Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus, you know Jesus because you heard the word. And through hearing the word of God, you, something happened in your heart. The Holy Spirit quickened your heart and drew you to the Father. He gave you the faith to believe and the ability to say yes. And he birthed you uh, into his kingdom. You were born again because you heard it, you believed it, and you were saved. Paul said to the Romans, this is how it works, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For, for with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. Jesus didn't say, nor did Paul say, be sure and put up the Ten Commandments everywhere, especially in schools. Now, I know I'm offending you by that, but I want you to stay with me. Romans 8, 3 says, For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Nor did he say, you know, growing up in the 50s, as I did in the 60s and 70s, when Christianity was still, there was a, still a general religious part of our culture. Uh, nor did he say, fill the world with generic, powerless prayers in every public setting and at every political meeting. I mean, when I was in school, they prayed over the announcement system before the football games, and then we prayed that we would beat those uncircumcised Philistines <laughs> on the other side of the field. We were all praying. They were praying on the other side to beat us. Jesus said about that kind of prayer, he says, when you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue on the street corners. They may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have the reward in full. The problem, so God's going to direct us by his word. And so <laughs> if we're not careful, we end up believing that keeping a list of rules is the way to God. And if you think that keeping a list of rules is the way to God, you've missed the way to God. Yet, most of the world believes that this is what it means to be a Christian. You keep a list of rules which no one in all of history has ever been able to keep except Jesus. He's the only one who's ever been able to keep all the... Just think about it. When, when God gave the law to Moses... When he came down from the mountain with the tablets, when he got to the bottom of the mountain, they were already breaking law number one. <laughs> Have no, they're worshiping the golden calf. They didn't make it a minute. 
See, a lot of Christianity today, a lot of what people believe is Christianity today is moralism. It's rule keeping. So when we talk about God's going to direct you by his word, it's not that he's going to direct you by moralism and rule keeping. It's like, what is moralism? Moralism is what the Pharisees believed that Jesus was against. Moralism is if I behave a certain way, I will get the love of God, the blessing and favor because I've behaved a certain way, God owes me. And people believe, generally believe, when you talk to people, I've been to dozens and dozens of funerals, and people believe my good works will get me into heaven. I was talking with someone not too long ago uh, that said to me, I want you to do my funeral. So I said, okay, if I'm doing your funeral, we need to get some things straight because I'm not lying at your funeral. So I said, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And they said, I'm trying to be a good person. Said, that doesn't do it. You know, you may think I'm better than many. I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Have you ever heard this? I've never killed anybody. Man, that is a pretty low bar. <laughs> well, I've never killed anybody, you know. You know, Jesus said this. If, if you're going to do it by the law, if you're going to do it by goodness, Jesus said this. Let's see how low he's set the bar. He says, and whoever says, you fool, you call somebody a fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Jesus said, you called anyone a fool, straight to hell. <laughs> Jesus said to them, watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So what's he talking about? Watch out for the leaven of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The leaven of the Pharisees is believing that keeping the rules is a way to get God's love and favor. It creates pride. It creates judgmentalism and a belief that God owes you for keeping the rules. And Jesus is saying, beware of it because it's dangerous. It grows and it affects everything with law and performance. So if we're going to know the will of God, it's not knowing the will of God in the sense of a list of rules. It's knowing the will of God in knowing the word of God as a relationship with Jesus Christ. Luke 18, 11, Jesus is talking about the Pharisee. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you. Now, he's praying this to himself, but, but Jesus knows what he's thinking. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. I mean, it sounds like a pretty good guy, right? But here's a man who is putting his trust in his own behavior and in his own goodness. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was unwilling even to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, and he's saying this out loud, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Not a sinner. He's saying the sinner. 
I tell you, Jesus said, this man went to his house justified rather than the other, for anyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. To know the will of God, you must know the word of God. Not just a list of rules, but through a personal relationship with Jesus, who is the word of God. See, because grace is better than the law. If, we, if you just look, just a reading of Ephesians, I'm going to read a bunch of Bible verses because that's why we're here today. <laughs> and Paul is trying to get, he wants the Ephesians to understand what Christ has done for them, and he wants them to understand who they are in Christ. So he's, he's trying to lay a foundation. This is what This is what Jesus has done for you. So in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 6, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us, the beloved. Ephesians 1.16. Paul is praying. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. He's talking about how he's praying for them. While making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He said, I want you to grow in your understanding of who God is and what he's done for you. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. He said, I want you to get this. I want you to realize, I want you to live in the hope of his calling. I want you to live knowing the inheritance that you have in Christ. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? We're not living powerless, insepid lives. We're living lives empowered by the Spirit of God. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. You see what Paul's trying to get them to understand? Ephesians 2 8, by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. Ephesians 3 6, to be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise of Jesus Christ through the gospel. See, if we want to put up anything on the walls of a school, it needs to be the gospel. We don't need to put up a list of list of rules, a list of rules that they can't keep because they don't have the power to do it. What needs to be on the walls is Jesus loves you and died to save you. Because it is through salvation that we can then walk in a level, in some level of obedience to God's call in our life. Ephesians 3.14, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Again, he's praying, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives his name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power 
through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and height and depth and to know the love of Christ, the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. I just, I love this verse. Because Paul says, I want you to know this about the love of God. I want you to know the height, the length, the breadth, and the depth. But oh, by the way, it's so great, it's greater than you can ever understand. But that's what I want you to get. He said, I want you to, I want you to bathe in the richness. You know, so even our universe has an edge to it. You know, maybe it's 40 billion light years across. I don't know. It's a lot. It's, you know, it's more than you can drive in your car. So it's a lot, you know. Since the Big Bang, about 14 billion years, but the universe has expanded more than that, so it's, it's, it's a lot. And, but yet, it's still, it's, it's not infinite. Space is not infinite. The love of God is without boundary. Paul is saying, I want you to understand that the love of God for you is without boundary. That you would get that, that the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled up to all the fullness of God. So then having understood who they are, he says, if you'll get who you are, you've been chosen, you've been adopted, you've been called, you're not basing your behavior on getting God to love you. You're not doing things to earn God's approval. You're not getting things to earn green stamps, you know, to, to get a gold star. You're doing things not because... You want God to love you, but because he already does. You're living out of love, not to get love. So then he says in Ephesians 4, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their minds. So the Gentiles is, Paul is talking, now the Ephesians, they were Gentiles. But Paul was saying now there's no, there's no Jew nor Greek. There's, 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 in, the, in the body of Christ, there's not, there's not black and white and rich and poor. It's just the, it's the body of Christ. And so he's saying those, those, those people out there, the world that don't know Christ, the, the lost people, the Gentiles, he said don't walk like they walk. In the futility of their minds, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. And they have become callous and have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you didn't learn Christ this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth, therefore laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. He said, so now let's change our behavior based on our relationship, not change our behavior based on a list. Not an amen for that? Thank you. I mean, it doesn't really count when you have to ask for it, but anyway. Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable 
and perfect. So how are we going to know the will of God? By the renewing of our mind. This word transformed is the word we get metamorphosis from. It's like the transformation, the metamorphosis of a caterpillar to a butterfly. You're not a caterpillar trying to do better. You can glue wings on a caterpillar. They still can't fly because it's not their nature. And you're not defined by who you were in Christ. You're defined by who you were in the world. You're defined now by who you are in Christ. You've been transformed. It's not a better you. You're not a better caterpillar. You're a butterfly. You can fly. You can fly. You're free. You're rare. You're special. You're valuable and beautiful to God. So God leads us by this living relationship with the Word, and the Word is Jesus. It's not a, it's not a list of rules. It's knowing Him, and in knowing Him, He transforms us. So when we talk about we know God's will through His Word, we know God's will not through a list of rules, because we think, oh, you see, but I know it through my relationship with Christ. So now I want to walk in liberty and freedom and truth and submission to the Father. And I want to operate out of love for God and believing that he loves me. It's, it's, it's not just, you know, thou shalt not. It's I'm doing it because I love God. So he reveals his word his will through his word. And his word is, working, is at work in us, creating, making us new creatures in Christ Jesus. So that we're not just a, a better caterpillar. You know, God doesn't want to just dress up a caterpillar. He wants to transform you. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. The new has come. That's what, when we do baptism, what are we saying? Baptism, we're saying the old you is dead and you have been raised to newness of life in Christ. Amen. So God leads us by his word, then he reveals his will through the spirit. Romans 8, 14, for all who are being led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. So we learn to listen to the spirit of God that's in us because as a believer, now we have the spirit of God in us. We have the spirit of God in us. We learn to li listen to the spirit. And the first thing we learn to hear is that we are the sons of God. The spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are sons of God. We hear that. We believe that. We get a hold of that. I believe that I'm a child of God. How do I know that? Well, I believe God's telling me that. We cry out, Abba, Father. We, our relationships change. Like It's not, oh, God, oh God's going to get me. It's like, ooh, God's got me. <laughs> it's not, oh, oh no, God's going to cast me down. No, he's going to lift me up. It's, it's, it's understanding that now he's Abba Father. He's, he's approachable. 
He's, he's daddy. I can, I can come before him. God's never going to lead you into something that's contrary to his word. He'll never lead you with a thought or impression that does not line up with the word of God. Any feeling or impression that you have that doesn't agree with God's word is not from God. It's either your own flesh, because your flesh will want some stuff that you shouldn't want, right? Or it's a, it's, it's a lie from the enemy. It's a deception from the enemy. The enemy's trying to get you off track. This is Paul. He's talking about his missionary journey. He's talking about how the Spirit of God led him. Acts 16. As they passed through Fergian, Fergian and the Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, which is, you know, think, what? The Holy Spirit said, okay, this is not the place. I mean, Jesus said, go all the world and preach the gospel. So they're saying, wait, but not here. Holy Spirit is leading them. This is not the time. This is not the place. And after they came to Myasia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. So again, the Spirit of God said, no, wait, not, not here. And passing by Myasia, they came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing appealing to him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, you may not get a vision. Uh, I've been, I never have. I've never, I've never had a, you know, an overwhelming uh, vision. But I have had many impressions where I believe the Spirit of God was leading me. So what happens is that you learn to listen to the Spirit as you read the Word of God. And the Bible says that he, when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will lead you into all the truth. So you listen to the Spirit of God as you read the Word of God and you listen to the Spirit of God that is in you, right? He's in you. He will lead you into truth. And as you read the Word of God, He will tell you things and will direct you in His Word. He even does that here because one of the areas, God's going to speak to you through people as you listen to the to the Spirit when you hear preaching or teaching in the Word of God or when God uses other believers in your life and they speak the Word of God into your life, God will, by His Spirit, lead you into truth. Many, many times after the service, people will come to me and say, oh, that was so helpful when you said this and this and this. And I hate to tell them, but I didn't say it. I didn't say that, but you heard it. You heard it because the Holy Spirit takes the living word and knows what you need. And I, I don't know how many times people have said, gosh, when we come to church, it's like you're preaching to us. You know, it's like, it, it's like you were sitting in our house this week. And you, you know what we were talking about. And, you, and it's like, it's, I don't understand. It's like, so how can everybody be feeling that way? It's not the words that are coming out of my mouth. It's what the Spirit of God is doing in your heart. So that he's taking, the, so, so the Spirit of God takes and <laughs> leads you into the truth. And 
because it's the truth you need. I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you read the Word of God, you'll find that you can read a Bible verse a thousand times. And you can read it and say, I never saw that before. Wow, that's incredible. Then you read it again and you say, man, that's really good. I've, I've never seen that before. And you read it again. Why? Because it's not the dead law. It's the living word of God. It's the spirit of God taking the living word of Jesus and making it alive in your heart. And that's one of the ways that he'll lead you. He uses the spirit of God. He'll speak to you by the spirit of God. And so you have to learn to listen to him. You learn to listen to him when you pray. You don't just talk when you pray. You're missing half of it because prayer is a conversation. And often he'll speak to you through his word. But often he will speak to you by his, when you pray, the Lord will speak to you. And so that's how, when you say, God, I don't know what I should do about this. And you just lay it before the Lord and you wait. Because we're impatient. You know, we're like, God, I prayed about this 15 minutes ago. I haven't heard nothing yet. You know, so sometimes you have to realize there's a period of time. Thirdly, God also reveals his will through opportunities and circumstances. 2 Corinthians 2, 12. Now, when I came to Troy, I asked for the gospel of Christ. When a door was opened for me in the Lord, I had no rest for my spirit, not finding Titus, my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went to Macedonia. 1 Corinthians 69. For a wide door for effectual, effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. So Paul said there was a place where there was a closed door to the gospel, and there was a place where the Lord said, come over here and help us in Macedonia. Troas, there was a door closed. Macedonia, there was an open door. So Paul says, hey, God's closed this door. God's opened this door. It looks like this is the will of God. But just even though it was the will of God, I want you to notice this, it was still difficult. And he said, and there are many adversaries. A lot of people assume that if it's the will of God, it's easy. They haven't had children. (laughs) Or been married. Or been a Christian very long. Because just because it's God's will doesn't mean it's easy. As a matter of fact, often being right in the middle of God is the most difficult place to be. You ask Paul, could he have had an easier life if he hadn't followed Christ? He would say, absolutely yes. I could have had a life of luxury and ease. But that is not what God called him to. God called him to preach the gospel, to, to write the gospel for us, for our benefit. God used him powerfully, and yet it was Tragedy after tragedy after difficulty after resistance. It was, it, was, it was hard. So it can be very difficult and still be God's will. Don't use difficulty as, an, as a determining factor if it's the will of God or not. Use the will of God as the determining factor. Is it difficult because I'm being rebellious and sinful? Or is it difficult because I'm... I'm having resistance from the enemy because I'm in the will of God. I'm in the middle of the will of God. So God's going to reveal his will through circumstances, what we would call an open door. He's going to open the door or close the door. You have an opportunity. Sometimes you get an opportunity. It's like two jobs. So you don't have a job. You don't have a job. You're applying for jobs. Nothing's happening. What happens? You get two opportunities at the same time. 
And so you're like, which one should I take? Should I take this job or this job? You're like, I don't know. And so, so you, <laughs> you have to learn to listen to the Lord by the Spirit of God, and then he's going to direct you, the last thing, through the peace of God. He's going to use the peace of God in your heart. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you have a desire, something you want to do, and it's aligned with the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and you have the peace of God about it, you keep moving forward. If you quit having the peace of God, you stop. You don't push on through. Sometimes we want stuff so bad we push through. Have you ever done that? I've made some stupid purchasing decisions because I wanted something. And I, you know, and I really felt like God was going to say no, so I didn't ask him. <laughs> but I knew. So, if you, so if, if you don't have the peace of God, you stop. You pray about it. You get, if you're married, your husband and wife, you pray, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What do you think God's will is? What are you hearing God speak to you? Let's, let's wait on the Lord. Let's be sensitive. Let's see what God does. Let's don't rush into anything, you know. And you, and you wait on God, and you listen. And if you've got a peace, then you can say, okay, I'm, I'm going to keep moving down this path. But the minute, the minute you feel like God says, stop, what do you do? You stop. What, well, what if you're wrong? Well, then you just wait and pray about it. Listen and see what God does. That's how, that's how he moves us by his spirit, by his word, by his spirit, by circumstances and open doors, and by peace. If you're here today, and maybe, maybe you've seen Christianity uh, as a list of do's and don'ts, you may be here because there's something in you. You're wanting to be a better person. But real Christianity is not just keeping a list of things not to do. You know, you know, you can't drink or chew or be with girls that do. You know, everything fun is either a sin or it's fattening. You know that. I mean, so moralism leads us down a path that we think it's about laws and rules doing better, trying harder. But real Christianity is an invitation to relationship with the living Christ and trusting in the finished work of Christ. What the law could not do, God did. Sending his son to live the sinless life that no one ever lived but him. To die our death on the cross, to carry our sins on the cross, then to defeat death and be raised from the dead and then ascend to the Father and send us back to the Holy Spirit. He's bringing us into a relationship. It is not a list of rules. <laughs> you may have come in here a caterpillar today with wings that have been stuck on and you're trying to do good. 
But you can leave transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can be leave set free. Here's what the Bible says. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold. He said, look. It's like, behold. Look. Look at this person. The old is gone. And the new has come. Amen. 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 Let's stand. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you're struggling today with the will of God about a particular thing in your life, and I want to just encourage you to trust in the Lord, lay it before Him, continue to pray about it, read His Word about it, talk to other believers about it, listen to the Spirit of God in your own heart and the peace of God that's directing your heart. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you just see following God as a list of rules. I want to tell you about the greatest invitation ever made. The God of the universe sent his son to die. God so loved the world, and that's you. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Because what the law could not do, weak as it was in the flesh, God did by sending his own son for us to free us, to change us from caterpillars to butterflies, set us free. Today you want to receive that relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Just raise up your hand and say, I need to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Raise your hand. That's me. That's me. Thank you. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray for those that are here today and I pray for those that are watching online that they would say yes to Jesus. Jesus, you paid it all. You paid the price. You did the work. It's not about what we do. It's about what you did. It is the finished work of Christ on Calvary. We're accepting what you did in us and what you're doing in us, that you alone have the power to not just make us better, but to make us new. This has been the Life Community Church Podcast. Thank you for listening.